Are you looking for a few ways to jumpstart your finances down the right path? There's a ton of information out there, but in today's show, we're going to give you 14 quick, actionable tips to end your procrastination. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it doesn't truly have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to Launch Week of Season 2. I'm really excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much for being a part of the Financial Residency community. Today's guest has been featured in major publications like Forbes, Fox, Business Insider, and so many more. He's the creator and founder of FinCon, which is a conference for money mediapreneurs. It's the world's largest financial content expo, FinCon, get it? And has a community made up of bloggers, podcasters, YouTube influencers, whose sole mission is to empower and educate people on their personal finances. Philip Taylor, or PT, has put together a killer list of 14 ways to positively improve your financial life. These are short, actionable tips that help you build a solid financial foundation and launch you and your finances in the right direction. So let's stop wasting time and let's jump right into this amazing show with PT. PT, thank you so much for being on the show. So excited you are here. You are amazing. Thank you again for for joining us here. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. It's going to be fun. I'm ready to give your listeners some uh, good action points to take action today. Yeah, lots of action points today. So what PT has done for us is he's carved out 14 days to improve your financial life. And we're just going to hit these right off the bat. So day one, feed your financial brain. Most listeners of your podcast are already growth mindset folks, right? So they've tapped into your show. So I would encourage you to do that in all avenues. So find you some podcasts, subscribe to them right now. Find some books that are recommended. Anything, of course, by Dave Ramsey's I Like or uh, someone like a Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Great books out there. Tap into those, get those ordered, purchased, or the audio book version, get those on your phone. And then consider YouTube as well. I like YouTube. I like that platform. I hit it up every night and I've subscribed to a lot of the financial YouTubers out there so that every day I'm taking in some type of financial knowledge, right? So this is a process of learning about these financial concepts, learning how to improve your money. And so if you're tapped into these, if you create this environment around you of all these knowledgeable financial people, whether it's on a podcast, a YouTube channel, a new book you're checking out, you'll get absorbed into it and you'll gradually get better. But go right now and subscribe to them all so that they're kind of in your regular daily routine. So you don't have to worry about trying to find something new tomorrow. you got them all set up today. That's great. And, and PT, you've got Masters of Money that people can download. I know that we've had some other podcasters on here that do a great job. So day number two, we just fed our brain. Now let's figure out what to do. We're going to create goals for your money. Yep. If you want to move forward, as with anything in life, you know, you need to kind of know where you're headed, right? Begin with the end in mind and set yourself some goals. So think, I like to think about it whenever I was first getting going, fixing my financial life by setting up savings goals and debt reduction goals. So a lot of folks listening to your podcast will, might have some debt. And then also have some savings goals they want to kind of accomplish at the same time. So set those up for yourself. If you're not sure what goals you need to have, 
go get inspired. A lot of people online, I know you probably have shared maybe personally some of your goals Mm -hmm. that you're reaching for. Go get inspired today by researching what other financial goals folks have. I've I've listed my savings goals on my own blog at ptmoney.com. You can check those out. Be inspired and then set them for yourself. Set some debt reduction goals, set some savings goals, and consider when it comes to the saving stuff, consider some short and long term, right? So don't just think about what I want next week or the next five years, but think about a long ways down the road. Now, the trick to all this is you can set goals and goals and goals, but you know the important part is then prioritizing them, right? So ranking them in order of importance and how they sort of all work with each other. This is the fun dreaming part of personal finance that I like. It's looking into the future and seeing sort of where you could be and then putting that down on paper. Be as broad and general at first if you want. Uh, eventually, you can get to where they're more smart goals, as they say, actionable, uh, measurable, things like that. But just take a moment to write those things down. I know it's somewhat generic advice, but unless you take the moment to write down what you want out of life, uh, specifically with your money here, you know, you're not going to move in that direction. So take a moment to write those things down. Love it. Yeah. So my wife and I did a show in uh, December of uh, 2017 where we broke out uh, George Kinder's three questions. We're talking about like, what are our goals? What do we want to do? Where's our direction? And that really helped us hone in. We've been doing it for years, but we decided, I can't believe I actually convinced her to get on air and actually uh, share this with everyone. So, so go back, check out that show. But yes, I love the behavior side. This is such critical. I love it that it's day number two, because that gets a set for the next 12 days. So day three, know your assets and your net worth. Sure, sure. And this will give you a picture of where you're at today. And then it'll help you have a measuring stick to see where you're, how you're moving forward. So your net worth is simply your assets minus your liabilities. So this can be all written down on a piece of paper or used with a tool like Personal Capital Mint. Basically, you plug in all your uh, accounts and then you, it's visually shown to you what your net worth is. Now, don't get discouraged if it's a negative number at first or if you really don't know what the number means. The point is not where the number is at today. The point is where you're moving that number going forward. So you've now established for yourself a measuring stick of what my assets are, what my liabilities are, and sort of what's my bottom line number here. If I was represented as a company, this would be my uh, my income statement as a company. This is how successful I am. And so you want to see that number moving forward. Knowing your assets and your net worth kind of gives you that measuring stick to move forward. That's great. And uh, Eric Rosenberg and I chatted on uh, treating yourself like a business and did a whole show on the, on net worth, income statement, all that great stuff. So go back, check that out. That'll definitely help you guys out. Okay. Day number four, four in, you hit him with the dreaded B word. Get to know your <laughs> monthly expenses, create the budget. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the expenses are the easiest to attack in terms of your financial life. They're the sort of the low hanging fruit, right? Because it's what mm-hmm. you have the most, typically what you have the most control over. So set yourself a simple budget. If you don't want to start with a budget, if that scares you, at least write down what your monthly spending is, right? Understand sort of what's, what your outlays are on a monthly basis. See it, visualize it, put it down on paper, see it for yourself. Again, a monthly tool like a Mint or a personal capital could do this for you. It can help you kind of analyze what you're spending on a monthly basis if you want to go digital. But I like to keep it simple with pen and paper or an Excel spreadsheet and just simply chart it down. What am I actually spending every month? And then instead of, I mean, you could use a tool like a you need a budget or a mint or one of these sort of advanced level. I think proactive budget is a new one out there. Mm. Great tools, lots of tools. But at the end of the day, you really want to focus on controlling what needs controlling. Right. So I think it's good to have sort of a a long term mindset when it comes to your budget. But from the day to day aspects, you know what you overspend on. 
for me personally, it's probably dining out. My wife and I spend too much dining out. So that's where we actually set our budget. We give ourselves a limitation every month on that particular aspect of our spending, because we know that's the part that if we can control, everything else will sort of fall in place. And so had we not done the initial spending report or budget, we wouldn't have known that necessarily. And so once you identify those points for you, those hot buttons for you, then you can focus on budgeting or restricting yourself in those areas where it kind of matters. So that's how I like to think about budgeting. Yeah, I love it. So day number four, you hit them with spreadsheets and budgeting. Oh boy. (laughs) They're probably sitting here going, oh my God, the next 10 days, this is going to be horrible. Uh, It's all good. Okay. So I love it. And also a quick disclaimer, personal capital, if you load in like 100K, and I've said it a few times, if you load in like 100K of assets or something, they're going to call you and try to pitch you uh, to put into their investment platform where they charge assets under management and all that stuff. You don't need to do it. Tell them no. Tell them you're not interested. Use the software. The software is killer. That's why several people and experts that have come on the show have actually recommended it. Just know that pitch is coming, but don't hold it against the software because it's awesome. 100%. 100%. I agree with you there. <laughs> yeah. Day number five. Okay. So now we've we've thought about stuff, understood money, got some goals, knowing our expenses. Now we're trying to save for emergencies, travel, a new home, et cetera, putting together some savings goals. Sure. Getting more specific with your savings goals here. So you've got your short term, your midterm, and your long term. You got to think about. I like to think about it with emergency savings being sort of that first goal because If the emergency fund is there, it protects you from a lot of other sort of financial ills, right? So if you lose a job or if you uh, have a medical emergency, that emergency fund that is in place will prevent you from going into future debt, prevent a lot of negative situations, making you have risky choices with your career, whatever it is. Having that emergency fund in place is awesome. So set yourself a goal for what you need that emergency fund to be. Do the same for travel any kind of trips you have coming up. Of course, then there's Christmas, vacation, things like that. And and if a a new home is in your future, consider setting yourself goals for that. And like I always tell folks, set it up in a separate account, separate savings account for each of these goals, automate it and get some money going into there each month. Even if it's just a small amount initially, get in the act of uh, saving on a regular basis, automating it, to setting up in each of these areas. So if you don't if you don't take the time in this day, this day we're talking about, day five, to set those things up, um, who knows when you'll get to it. So at least do the initial setup and then you can kind of get going after that. I love it. And that was such a cool little hack you glossed over was automation, right? Mm-hmm. So automating some of the stuff. And one of these ones that most people don't think about is like Christmas stuff. So if you're the yep. family that celebrates Christmas, you're going to buy gifts. And I'm just going to throw it out here that say you spend, I don't know, uh, $600 on Christmas gifts for friends, family, whatever, put $50 a month away in a separate savings account. I mean, it, it's super easy, automate it. That's a cool little hack. Love it. Uh, okay. So day six, sell your excess stuff. Yep. That's a quick way to make some extra cash yep. and to fast track your financial future. So if you got, you have some extra debt you're hanging on to, if you want to fast track this emergency fund savings account, it's probably within your household to actually kickstart this in a positive way. So take a day, this is your day, day six, to look around your house and say, what are we holding on to that we're not using that we just don't need anymore? Or that for whatever reason, we've decided we want to have a, you know, we have different goals in life now, right? We just don't need this in our life anymore. So uh, check out your house, make a list of what all those things are. Create a couple of piles. One is uh, what you could sell. What is what you could donate? I mean, take the sort of minimalist approach here. I like to think of it like this, like if I'm going to take the day to do it, 
I would just list everything that I could. If it doesn't sell by the end of the day, maybe I would donate it. But certainly you could uh, use sites like the, on the financial side, you could use a site like gazelle.com. Mm. It's one I recommend for folks who are trying to sell old electronics. Things that are bigger, heavier, typically your Craigslist is going to be your best option are now Facebook groups. So take a day, canvas the house, see what you have, take an inventory, see what you don't need, make that pile and start listing it, getting it out the door. Make sure to use those funds then toward your debt payoff or toward your savings account. I love it. So we actually, uh, I was sending my wife some minimalist videos before we moved. And all of a sudden, like things are getting donated and sold and all this stuff. And she got super into it. And I think uh, one of the, the sites that we used was OfferUp. And that was actually really easy to use. So there's a bunch of new tech stuff that's coming out. Take advantage of it. Yep. Day number seven, I am super excited. I've mentioned a little bit about it on the show, but... I'm going to tell the story after you're done here. Day seven, save on your auto insurance. Sure, sure. There's another low-hanging fruit day here for you. This is not a physical day. You don't have to worry about going around the house, picking up things, moving things, or listing things. It's simply sitting at your front of your laptop and reviewing what you're paying right now for your auto insurance and comparing it to other rates out there. Most people need to check this. So don't feel like, oh, I didn't know I needed to do this. Everyone needs to do this every couple of years, right? Anyway, to check their auto insurance and uh, see if what they're paying is what they need and see if it's the best rate possible for you. As your situation in life improves, you get married, you pay off debt, you get a better job. Oftentimes your auto insurance rates will go down for you depending on the situation, your credit improves, things like that. So check that, mark that off the list and see what you can do in terms of a new policy. That's awesome. So when you're in residency and you all of a sudden you finish becoming attending, one of the biggest mistakes I see is they don't actually increase either their deductible or their coverages. That's something you, you definitely need to do. But uh, you know, even financial advisors make mistakes. So I, I would be a hypocrite if I said, you know, hey, go and uh, quote out your auto insurance, and I didn't do it myself. So it had been a number of years. I've been with State Farm since I was 16, forever. Family's been with them even longer. And when we moved from Vegas back to California. Uh, I said, you know what? I should probably check it out. And of course, this is going to sound like Geico, but uh, I went and did it and I ended up saving a ton of money switching coverages. So this is an easy one. It took 10 minutes. And then if you really wanted to call a live person, there's another 15 minutes. Easy one out the door. Day seven. Definitely a great tip. Awesome. Day eight. Reduce your debt or reduce your interest rates. Another goal-focused day. So make a list of your debts, right? So today is all about getting rid of those debts. Make a list of what debts you have, what their interest rates are, what their payments are, what the balance is, everything about those debts you know. Put them in a spreadsheet, list them all out, understand them. If you're kind of confused about maybe, uh, did I, do I still have that debt? Go look at your credit report and find out exactly mm. you know, what open accounts you have out there. And then after you've made that list, decide if you want to pay off some of this debt. Some of this debt, you may be like, eh, it's okay to you know stick around in my life uh, for a little while or pay the minimum. Uh, but some of this debt, you may be like, you know, this is consumer debt that I've racked up here. It's got a high interest rate. Uh, there's no reason this debt should be, still be around in my life. So if you want to get rid of it and sort of move on and put, set your priorities onto the other side of the net worth equation, building my assets, let's get rid of this debt. And so I look no further than the man himself, Mr. Dave Ramsey, when it comes to debt payoff strategies. So I'm a big fan of the debt snowball and getting tied into that, which is basically to list your debts in order of smallest to biggest and then start paying them off methodically one by one, putting all your extra income into that smallest debt until it gets paid off and then move down the list, creating the snowball effect, taking those now extra funds and putting them on the second debt and on and on and on until you wipe them out. 
That's great. Dave Ramsey's got some great stuff for consumer debt, auto debt, things like that. Student debt, is that is not always the best advice. Um, I know we've done plenty of, of shows around student debt, but that is real good actual advice for all the other debt that you may carry and are likely carrying when you're finishing training or, or for a new attending. Day nine, reduce your tax burden. This is a big driver for me. I'm a CPA, so I sort of understood tax advantage savings accounts early on. Even I wasn't managing my money properly. I understood that if I put a certain amount of money at the end of the year into a traditional IRA, it would result in less of a tax bill. And so that motivated the heck out of me. So I think you can take the time to understand how your tax burden or what you'll pay on April 15th every year is a result of potentially how much you can save toward your retirement. For me, I found that as a behavioral modifier. So it, it really pushed me to want to put more into tax shelters. And so I would look into things like the traditional IRA, You certainly using the 401k you have at work and trying to max those out in some way. And so really get yourself educated on the, how you know using retirement accounts, I guess, can reduce your tax burden and let that be a motivator for you. Yeah, it's, it's great advice. So we've got uh, the 401k or 403p, depending on the uh, your employer. You've got the IRA. You also have an HSA. If you uh, have that available, if you're in a high deductible plan, have an HSA available. Um, and you can learn all about HSAs on the show that I did with Lively a few episodes back. And then let's look at day 11 here. So get or renew life insurance. There you go. Life insurance, oftentimes we'll have access to it through our employer, which is great. Make sure it's enough for you. Uh, I always recommend life insurance, at least a term, simple term policy for folks who have dependents. So if they're creating an income already and those dependents are relying on that income, a simple term life policy makes a lot of sense for a lot of folks. For instance, myself, I first got life insurance when I was 30 years old. I was married and had a one kid with a few on the way. And I went out there and got myself a $500,000 policy for 20 years term life. So I'm not necessarily prescribing that for anyone, but that's just giving you an example. So it Mm -hmm. doesn't take very long to go get a quote for term life insurance. The process is still kind of slow to get it, but kick it off today. So take this day to go research some of the online tools out there that will uh, allow you to apply for life insurance really quickly. In some cases, get approved and get the insurance just within a few days. There's a lot of the new fintechs out there that that have life insurance that they can deliver without a nurse coming to your house and drawing your blood, things like that. So investigate it, take a day to check it out. Life insurance is so important, especially for young people that have a young family with a maybe a stay-at-home spouse or uh, certainly with kids at home. Um, and it's so cheap to just to get it going. It's such a great asset to have in your early years. Yeah, I, I love it. And so... In our resources page, I've gone through and and worked with a lot of different independent brokers, and I've settled with uh, one of the best that I think is out there is uh, Larry Keller with Physician Financial Services. Uh, He does an excellent job. We've also got some free resources on the homepage here that you can go download on understanding term insurance and also disability. Disability insurance is extremely important for physicians, and you can do that through an independent broker. So I highly recommend downloading some of those free resources and, uh, and reaching out to an independent broker that can really help you guys out and getting this either term and or disability coverage for you. Day 12, review and fix your credit report. Yeah, this is, uh, again, another one day sort of fix you could take here. So download your credit reports from annualcreditreport.com. That's a place you can get all three for free once a year. 
The key here is making sure that everything on there is appropriate. If it's not, you can typically go through each of the bureaus to request those errors be fixed. You can do that with their online portals. So you're not talking about going to, uh, you know, writing letters or anything like that or getting on the phone. It's typically something you can do online. So just review the report as simply as that and make sure everything's on there is correct. If it's not, make a request to change it. And use that as also a moment to see, maybe go check your score as well. Use a site like Credit Karma or Credit Sesame to actually see what your score is. And then say, again, it's like the net worth, right? It's not, I don't want to beat myself up for what the score is now, but let's try to move that forward. So let's make a goal and say, my credit score is this right now. Let's maybe move it forward because it's going to save you money down the road. It comes to buying your first home, other financial aspects of your life. So you want to move that forward. Yeah, it's great advice. I actually use Credit Karma and I I primarily use it for the alerts. So, you know, when we bought our new house, it alerted me when the lender pinged our credit, things like that, where it's actually really useful just to be in the know of what's going on. I don't need to track it weekly um, or anything like that. I tend to say to clients, hey, check this out every six months, three months if you can, uh, but at minimum, bare minimum, six months, just to make sure that everything's got me with all the the hacks and the uh, data being moved between these bureaus and everything, you know, it's worth it to do that. So day 12, fix and review your credit. Day 13. Okay. This is something I'm not great at. I'm, I'm really excited to hear this. Shop smart with lists. Yeah. Technology is helping us out a lot in this area today, but just want to make the important point that typically folks have their home, their car, and then their third biggest expense in their life is typically the food, right? So whether it's coming from groceries or dining out, this is an area, unfortunately, though, unlike your car or your home, that's not fixed. So it's the first area you want to try to control. So I say that one of the best ways to control it, especially when you're headed to the grocery store, is to be armed with that list going in. Now, typically, you could do this with a, you know, your Alexa app or whatever, tell them what you want all week and then go to the store and check your list. Or you could just write it down before you head to the store, however you do it make sure you practice that skill on a weekly basis. Now, a really easy way that we found to do this is now with the grocery pickup services that Walmart and Kroger and some of these grocery stores have started to allow, oftentimes for free or for a very small fee, you can essentially pre-order all your groceries online and go pick them up at the store. So you don't even have to actually go inside the store. So you're never tempted by that extra item that splurge on the in the grocery checkout aisle. You literally just make your list before you leave the house. A couple hours later, you drive over to the uh, grocery store and pick them up. So it's just like a surefire way to make sure that you're only spending what you intend, you know, on your food every week. That's really neat. When you said this, I'm like, you know what, from a finance standpoint, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm sure <laughs> that helped for me. That would actually just help my waistline. So I don't like go grab like something <laughs> that I probably shouldn't. And then my wife gets all mad because I grabbed that yeah. and then she'll eat it and I'll eat it and... Yeah. And the good thing about the grocery pickup is that it saves your grocery list. So from week to week, you can just literally reorder the same items. And so you don't have to go in and build your list out from week to week. It just kind of saves them all for you, which is nice. That is nice. I was hoping this wasn't going with like, you have stacks and stacks of coupons and we're buying 400 (laughs) things of the same thing. (laughs) So that's awesome. No, I'm not a couponer myself. We've done it in the past. And I don't want to disparage couponing. I think it's great. But yeah, I'd rather focus my energy on on building income. Everyone listening to the show has a higher and better use for their time. I honestly believe that. <laughs> Day 14, I'm actually really excited because I don't know how to do this and I really want to stop the junk mail. 
Yeah. So three areas you need to think about it. I mean, typically junk mail, you think about what's coming in my mailbox, right? Credit cards. But there's, yeah, credit lots card offers. Lots of them. <laughs> yeah. So the FTC has a good website, I believe, that really explains in every way that you can shut down junk mail in your life, whether it's credit card offers specifically or just general junk mail offers that come through the mail. But don't forget calls. Now, we've all switched over to cell phones, so we don't get as much, but they're starting to come back to cell phones. I don't know if you've noticed that, lately, mm-hmm. but there are also websites that uh, you can shut down phone calls as well. And then don't neglect your email box. So the email box is probably where we spend most of our time on a daily basis. Use a service like unrollme.com, which will, or maybe it's unroll.me. But anyway, the service is called Unroll Me. That can attach to your Gmail inbox or other email service and help you clean out some of that junk mail that you've been getting through the years and uh, really make your uh, inbox a lean operation. That way you're not peppered with offers that you don't necessarily want on a daily basis. So FTC is the website, the government website that uh, has those, you know, do not mail lists and do not call lists that you should check out. Um, and I can uh, provide some links for you to include in your show notes. Yeah, we'll definitely include that one. One, I'm going to go check it out. But two, uh, yeah, we'll definitely include them for everyone. And they can go on financialresidency.com and grab those. Yeah, and just so the larger point isn't missed here, right? The reason you want to get this out of your life is because you've got now your financial plan. You're heading forward. You've got your goals set. So you don't want things coming in your life that are going to distract you from your longer term vision, your longer term goals. You want to sort of be on that path moving forward and uh, kind of clear the clear the deck, so to speak. Yeah, I, I love it. So, PT, we've gone through 14 different days, different things. We've covered a ton here that I think will really help people out. This is a fun little challenge. I, I encourage everyone to do this and actually follow through with this. But let's give them one extra one. Like, do you have one cool little bonus one that we can give uh, the listeners so they've crushed the 14 days and they're like, PT, I'm 14 days <laughs> in. What am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah, here's another one you can do on your computer and around the home. And it's something that's kind of a weak spot for me. So I, I bring it up here last as a way to almost like uh, pepper myself with this point, too. It's organizing and protecting your financial records. So as we age, as we get older, we start doing things like applying for life insurance and getting forms and getting wills, just getting these sort of financial pieces in our life. And so I like to think about it in a couple of different ways here. There's obviously the physical protection. So there are things like birth certificates and passports and wills that need to be in sort of a physical form. Um, and so invest in a home safe. So go on Amazon right now. Buy yourself a little home safe that you can keep in your office or somewhere in your closet or somewhere in the house that way you can lock those physical things away. Um, and then there's the online portions, right? So I tend to get most of my financial records by mail and just access them mostly. I'm sorry, by email and then access them mostly by either by my email or access them through the online portals of my account institutions, financial institutions. And so if there are things that you feel I'm comfortable keeping most things at the institution level where I just literally log back in and find those items. But if there are things through the years that you need to collect, I simply use a service. I'm comfortable using a service like a Dropbox or a Drive to create folders based around different areas of my financial life that could be used to sort things and and keep them in in different spaces online. So that's kind of how I do it. Keep it pretty simple. Don't really trick it up too much, but I think about it in terms of offline and online like that. Yeah, I like that. So one of the the things that I do for ourselves plus my clients is we have like an online portal through the financial planning software that's set up like Dropbox. So I think Dropbox, Google Drive, Vault, or whatever these things are, a box, uh, there's a lot of them out there. 
That's an excellent way to do it. But also, if you're married, for your spouse to have access so they know where everything is in case something did happen to you. One point that I actually do want to bring in, because I, I really think this is a great bonus one, so good call on this, is a service called LastPass. Mm-hmm. And I use this thing all the time. And it's FINRA approved, so I can actually use this and have protect client stuff and everything. But it basically remembers one password. You have to have one master password. And then you go through and you change your password to all your other sites. And that sounds terrible. And honestly, it's not that fun of an experience. But once it's done, like my bank has like a 20-letter digit symbol password. I'm never going to ever remember it. I don't have to, though, because LastPass is a little plug-in. And then it'll auto-populate when I go to those things. So it'll protect against key loggers. If you had that, it'll protect against all sorts of stuff, brute force. So that is a way to protect all of your financial life and all your data, your computer and all that stuff. So great tips, PT, 15 of them. And this is just amazing. So PT, for those who might not know who you are, and you are a very big deal. So please let everyone know who you are, where they can find out more about you and drop a little uh, little hint here about FinCon that's uh, coming Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. And yes, folks can check out my story with money. I'm just an average guy who started a finance blog and started sharing my story and uh, encouraging others to improve their financial life. It's been a great tool to hold me accountable and to really document the process of getting better at money. And so you can see all that at ptmoney.com. I've got a couple of podcasts over there I've done through the years. I'm not active anymore, but we've got Masters of Money, which is a great podcast to listen to other money stories, to learn about the journeys of other folks out there. And then I've got the Part-Time Money podcast I did a while back. So if folks are looking for side gigs or side hustles, ideas, uh, that's a podcast I have. And then the big dog is my other business, which is FinCon. So it's a place for me to gather Everyone who's sort of in financial media, folks like you and me who talk to people about their money, we gather once a year to come together and talk shop, talk a little bit about money. We talk also about digital marketing, content marketing, things like podcasting and blogging and how we can get better at that. And of course, all the big brands are there because they want to do business with us as well. One thing new I did want to point out to your listeners this year is that we're offering a community pass. It's a special rate. It's only 99 bucks. So if anyone wants to come to FinCon to hang out with us money nerds, you can come out and check out the Money Conversations track. You can see the keynotes with Rachel Cruz, who's Dave Ramsey's daughter, Chris Hogan, who's another Dave Ramsey solution person, and then Gene Chatsky from the Today Show will be there, one of our other keynotes. So if you wanted to come to FinCon, experience it for a very low price from the general public, we've got that option for you out there. All you need to do is navigate to FinConExpo.com. And then just search for this year's event, which is FinCon 18. And then you'll see the Community Pass application on that page. And so we'd love to have the listeners of your podcast come check it out and come see you in person at the event. And maybe even you'll be doing a live podcast there so they could check it out in person. Yep, That's my invite. I will be doing a live podcast. I'll also be speaking there. So excited to do that this year. And PT, um, I don't think you told them where, where is FinCon this year? What are the dates? Yeah. So the dates, we are going to be September 26th to 29th. So it's coming up pretty soon. And that'll be in Orlando, Florida at the Rosen Shingle Creek Hotel. So if you're anywhere in the Orlando area or around it, trust me, this is worth a couple hour drive. If you are there, uh, maybe it's a little short notice for some across the country, but you'll always have it next year. And I know you know the dates for next year, correct? Yeah. September 4th through 7th. Perfect. So now you have like a whole year to plan for this. <laughs> and I want everyone to know listening that this is absolutely, and I'm not saying it's because PT's here. This is my favorite conference. I only go to a couple and this is like number one, no matter what, always coming. So PT, thank you so much 
for providing the conference, all my friends that are money nerds. Uh, and uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. And thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Today, we're going to be discussing an article that was posted on the site sidehustlescrubs.wordpress.com titled Location, Location, Location. Yeah, I know you might be thinking this is about real estate, but it isn't. In it, the author discusses with actual numbers to back it up, the benefit of geographic arbitrage and how you might be able to take advantage of, let's say, the salary, the tax rate, cost of living in a certain area and making it easier to obtain or build wealth. Their research showed, and I quote, there is a $227,720 difference, that's pretty exact, between an emergency physician in Texas versus Hawaii. If invested at a conservative 5% rate for 25-year career, that's an extra $10.8 million in retirement savings. Somewhere in Maui, an emergency physician is reading this right now and re-examining all the life decisions that led to this moment. Somewhere in Texas, there's an emergency physician swimming in a vault of gold coins a la Scrooge McDuck. You're only as wealthy as the money you don't spend. If you live in a high-tax, high-cost living area, it'll be much more difficult to achieve fire than if you live in a no-tax, low-cost living area. There's also way less incentive to pursue work-from-home side hustles that pay the same regardless of where you live. That last sentence is actually really powerful. And yeah, not everyone's goals fire or financial independence retire early, uh, which is perfectly fine. However, the difference between the salaries shown in that example are quite drastic. What I really like about this article was all the calculations and the map graphics that were presented well thought out throughout the article. In my experience, I see that the, the concept of geographic arbitrage is often overlooked. And it's, it's overlooked when you're either looking for a new job, let's say right out of training, or when you're doing a detailed analysis of your actual finances. It's a common misconception that you need to move to a certain area forever in order to take advantage of it. And that's honestly simply not the case. When my wife and I moved right after training, she was done with her fellowship, we moved to Las Vegas for a few years to really launch ourselves down a much better path financially. And we were able to save a ton of money because costs were cheaper, especially housing. And that allowed us to kind of jumpstart our, our financial lives. So Side Hustle Scrubs, thank you very much for this well thought out article. I'll make sure I link to it in the show notes. Great job. And that's a wrap. PT walked us through 14 ways in 14 days to jumpstart your financial residency, which much like an insane personal fitness program is life. We talked about feeding the hungry brain some financial knowledge and also talked about going minimalist. Well, kind of, not, not really actually, but just get rid of some of your extra stuff. Give the 14 days and that extra bonus one he threw in a try and share the big and subtle changes that you experienced in our Facebook group, the Financial Residency Facebook group at financialresidency.com slash community. The website financialresidency.com is getting a bit of a facelift as I'm adding some free downloadable guides to help you on your financial journey. Ranging from student loans to physician mortgages to insurance, you're going to find some high quality information compiled in convenient downloadable guides. So go check them out at financialresidency.com. Just as you put on your best outfit for that night on the town with your honey, 
You give your finance the same glorified effort, right? Hey, I get it. Just ask my wife. Actually, please don't do that. I'm not one to really dress up. Okay, so that was a bust. Anyways, I do know why you're here. And as much as I'm honored to have you here with me, you really need to consult your attorney, CPA, or your fee-only financial planner for any financial advice you need to make that big money decision. I'd love for you to get it here as you listen to the podcast, but I just can't be your end-all be-all. That'd definitely be a no-no. Next week, we have a great show planned with our special guest, the white coat investor himself, the man, the myth, the legend. This is one you're not going to want to miss. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.